Hello, you wonderful lot. I hope you're keeping well and enjoying the podcast series so far. I've heard some amazing feedback and I really appreciate all of your comments. It's such an inspiring series and today's episode is no different. Before we chat to Naomi, I need to tell you about the wonderful Royal British Legion. The Royal British Legion offer all members of our armed forces community support, but they also understand that sometimes what's needed is just a bit of advice. Whether it's recommending specialised services, advice on housing, finances or employment, they've got your back. Visit their website, rbl.org.uk, for more information. So today I've been talking to a very inspirational member of our community who found an opportunity despite adversity whilst embracing the opportunities that military life brings. I really hope you enjoy today's episode with Naomi from Doda Yoga. Hello Naomi, it's so lovely to get to talk to you today. Hi Jess, thanks for having me on your show, very excited to be here. Can't wait to share your story, honestly it's going to be brilliant. But to start off, could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? I'm Naomi from Doda Yoga and I operate a yoga and wellness business out of Hampshire. This is something that has started since lockdown and it sprung from a diagnosis you had after the birth of your daughter. Could you explain to us how that happened and how it all came about? Yes, so I've had a passion for yoga probably the last 15 years. Admittedly, it's been on and off as, you know, life changes and you grow and evolve as you move in through life. But it's always been something that's resonated with me about yoga. And whenever I've gone through difficult periods of my life or I've been posted near somewhere that has had a yoga studio close, then I've always tried to kind of carve some time out for myself to try and get to a yoga class because it's just something that I find so grounding in a world that we live in where we're moving around all the time and everything's changing. So it's always been my coping strategy, I think, yoga. And then we were posted in... Northern Ireland and I got very sick after the birth of my daughter I lost two litres of blood and it was a pretty dark time it was a gorgeous natural water birth but they couldn't stem the bleed and basically going into all the gory details I then went in for emergency surgery to stop the bleed and after that I came out of hospital with my daughter but I just something just wasn't right I was I had chronic fatigue I couldn't do anything and a lot of people kept going oh it's because you've got a baby you're not sleeping and I kept saying, it's not just this, you know, there's something. I can't even walk up the flight of stairs without being, you know, out of breath. And thankfully, I had a really good midwife that then sent me back for more bloods. And basically, my iron count had dropped significantly from what it was pre-birth. And for a normal person, that would be fine. But they said that my iron levels are so high that that's why it took a dramatic change in me as an individual to why I was, you know, experiencing, you know, just I couldn't function properly. Anyway, as time went on you know, all the busyness of a newborn and being based in Northern Ireland, family couldn't visit all the time because, you know, it's not just a drive up the road, it was a flight. So we were quite isolated. We had a lovely community, but we were still isolated. And then I kept, well, I started falling over, which was really concerning. And but I'd go in for tests and they said, oh, there's nothing wrong. We can't see anything. I'd have MRIs, loads of different tests. And that's when it all really started. I thought there's something, something's not quite right. And then when my daughter was six months old, we got posted to central London, which again was a blessing and a curse, really, because I'd started all these tests in Northern Ireland and they couldn't really find anything. We moved to London. It was, you know, a break and it was a new start. We were really excited. 
but we were living on a third story flat with no lift and I'd already got mobility problems that they still couldn't, you know, find the cause of these. And my husband obviously got a new job where he was putting all his time and energy into. And I was at home with a, a newborn, even more isolated than I was before, because no one was coming to central London to visit me. And I didn't have any network. And where our flat was based, there wasn't really a community. There was nine flats. Most of the people that lived in this block of flats were surgeons and lawyers. There was no stay at home mums or, you know, military spouses that wanted to socialise and have a cup of tea with me. Anyway, the problems continued and I kept falling over and losing mobility in my wrist so much so that my husband had to help me. It took a long time for my records to be transferred from Northern Ireland to the UK. And then when I finally got a doctor and, you know, kept going to him, kept asking him, he kept telling me I got postnatal depression. And I was like, it's physical inabilities in my body. It's not psychological, which was obviously getting me more and more isolated And my husband obviously saw everything that was happening. He was my biggest champion and my biggest supporter. And it makes me emotional just thinking about it because when there's someone there that's supporting you day in, day out, and you're having to kind of justify that you're in pain, you don't want to do that. You just want someone to say, here's what you need to make you better. So I did find a yoga studio in London and started going to them for more like yoga nidra, more relaxation type things because I couldn't physically move my body. And this teacher that I had there was incredible and supported me. And he did more for me than he probably realizes at the time because I didn't, I was just in my own cocoon. Anyway, eventually back and forth, I started pushing for blood tests. I thought I had arthritis. Obviously, Google becomes your best friend. You know, I was literally Googling everything like, what is this? What is that? And I thought, well, maybe I've got arthritis. The consultant in the doctors didn't want to really send me for these blood tests. Eventually, I think they lost six blood tests. Bearing in mind, you have to travel on a tube to go to a London hospital with a baby. My mobility was already challenged. It was a bit of a farce. Finally, I formally complained to the doctors and the blood department. I went in and said, why do you keep losing my blood tests? I was desperate at this point. And he, he looked on the system for me. He was really lovely and said, all your blood tests are there, all your results are there, go back to your doctors and tell him. So I did. And he said, oh, we've managed to find the results. And they do indicate that you've got arthritis, but I'm not a specialist, so I'm not able to say that. I can give you some painkillers. I'll put you on a waiting list for a consultant in rheumatology consultant. Another six months passed. And then I finally got diagnosed a year to the date of my daughter being born with a very rare condition called palindromic rheumatism. And I just cried. <laughs> it took me 90 seconds to explain to this consultant. And he basically said it's brought on by trauma, normally by car crashes. So it's quite rare. But because I'd lost so much blood, that's how it happened. But had I not been in London, I may never have got that diagnosis. So I'm very thankful of the way it's worked out. You know, you get some of the leading doctors in the country, in the world, in central London. So I was so fortunate. And Basically, what palindromic rheumatism does is it disables your joints for 24 to 48 hours. But I currently have no permanent joint damage. But just for that 24 to 48 hours, I personally don't get swelling. It just stops working. So it's an invisible disease that no one can see, but you're there and you're, you've got chronic pain or you start. It feels like I've broken my bones. It's really hard to describe to someone that hasn't been through it. But having had a natural childbirth, it's 10 times worse. And I never expected to say that as someone that's delivered a child. So that was probably the start of the change in me because I became very insular. 
I was fed up of trying to tell people that I had pain and no one really listening or I was always the woe person like oh this is hurts this hurts and in the end I just stopped saying anything because no one was listening other than my husband and then obviously posting time comes up again <laughs> and one of the options was India and we'd always been really interested in being posted to India and I was still was so I started a course of medication and started yoga again and started doing it at home because that just fit around a small child and we were so lucky we got the India posting and kind of looking back yoga was just there we had people to help with my daughter and I was so fortunate there were so many yoga teachers around and we were so close to some of the main yoga hotspots in India so that's where it all began really we were only posted in India for a year and then we got evacuated back from India with 48 hours notice to come back to the UK so obviously that's a whistle-stop tour of India not really going into too much detail so we got back and <laughs> we got put in a static caravan in the Cotswold Centre because there was no accommodation for us because obviously the start of the global pandemic no one knew it was happening and we got told we'd be there in in the Cotswold Service Centre which is basically a static caravan you know let's not big it up it was a static caravan with a three-year-old and we had some suitcases with us you know with 48 hours notice to pack up our lives and <laughs> Yoga didn't really help me then. I kind of lost it a little bit. I was like, what is this? You know, we've been through so much. We're now here at the global pandemic. Obviously, everyone was going through, but getting told we would be in a static caravan for the duration of the pandemic just didn't really sit well with me. And thankfully, I think we were there maybe three weeks and we ended up getting a house in Andover, which is where we're based now. And because I've been out of the system for so long, I suppose, as in... The community, you know, London, I didn't have a military community. In India, it was a very different military community. You were representing your country. And so it was a very different relationship role with individuals that were there. When we came to Andover, even though it was this, the pandemic, I was like, I need to meet people. <laughs> you know, I need to get back on this horse. So we'd been doing our, you know, staying at home in the garden, doing everything else, doing yoga every day and just loving it. I basically put a post in the local group to say does anyone want to practice yoga with me for free one-to-one -one, because socially distanced we're only allowed to meet one other person outside I just want to meet some yoga friends basically I expected to possibly get three people that wanted to maybe do a bit of yoga and make some new friends I think I had 30 people say they wanted to do yoga with me I was a bit shocked and slightly overwhelmed and intimidated like crikey what have I done I've just like let off this kind of worms but I put on my big girl pants and basically went out and gave, I think I was doing three or four yoga classes a day on the green near us. And then people started saying, I want another class. And I was like, oh, and I wasn't expecting everyone to want another class. I thought I can't just keep giving 30 people free yoga classes because, you know, it's not sustainable. And it's always been in the back of my mind. I'd love to be a yoga teacher. I'd love to do this as a career. But I suppose I'd never given it that much thought because I had a good career before. But because of my mobility problems and my diagnosis, it changed me as a person, as did the India posting. It was you know, totally eye-opening. And then people give me such good feedback. So me and my husband, there was not much else to do in the pandemic, really, was they were at home a long time. So we sat out most nights till maybe three or four in the morning after he'd finished his work, just designing a website and just something so positive to come out of the whole situation yeah, so we designed the website and then I said, people can book on. And that's how it started. No big business plan. That's basically my 
brief but long story at the same time. But I think it's important to know how it has grown from nothing to something. No, that's brilliant. I love when businesses spring from something that you love because it's the best way to do it and it's grown naturally and organically. Had it not been for the pandemic, I would not have been brave enough. That is definite. I would not have put myself out there. So it has been a cocoon for me to dip my toe in. So whilst the pandemic has been terrible, without it, I wouldn't have started a business. So when I go back to Northern Ireland and you're posting from Northern Ireland and you said that moving to London meant that you were able to have your diagnosis. So I'm curious to know whether military life and the postings have helped your health or do you think it's held you back? Because my worry would be that despite the Alphos Covenant, when you join a list for medical care, you inevitably end up moving and going to the bottom of that list. So I was just wondering if it's helped or hindered. So it's hard to say because I think it's neutral because when I was in Northern Ireland, I wasn't going down any particular diagnosis line. They basically said, there's nothing wrong with you. We can't find anything. And it was only when I moved to London, I think the stress of the move had exacerbated what was probably already going on in my body, that the flares, they call them flares, they started happening more frequently, so much so that I would get four or five in a, in a week, you know, so 24 to 48 hours of not being able to move in a week, you know, they just finished and it started again. But that was because when you move into a new place, things get break and you're having to report those and all these stresses of people not turning up to missed appointments. I think that exacerbated it, but I don't necessarily think I was put at a disadvantage on a waiting list per se because of the military. But I think the process exacerbated the situation. Yes, because moving house is incredibly stressful. So that, that you, you mentioned, we were chatting before I hit record about how it did get really quite bad. And I just wanted to touch on how you got through those days when it was really dark and really rubbish. How do you keep going? <laughs> um, it was really hard. I almost didn't. Like, it, it was really bad. It was my husband, without a shadow of a doubt. I didn't have anybody else because I stopped telling people because it was embarrassing and... I just wanted someone to tell me what was wrong with me. I felt like I was going insane because people were saying, you don't have any swelling on your fingers. You know, they can't see anything. And if you do these blood tests at a certain time and you're not flaring, or the fact that they were saying they weren't getting the blood tests, to them, I'm a perfectly healthy, no other medical conditions, never had any medical history of any, you know, nothing bad's happened to me. And I never used to go to the doctors. I used to be that person that never had sick days. So for now, just the trigger of me having a baby, now me always in the doctors, for them, probably the biggest diagnosis is postnatal depression. So they just, and it was a man that I was seeing. He just wanted to tick that box. So I just felt like I was fighting with the people that were supposed to help me. And in the end, I did go to the doctors and said, I'm 32 and I'm thinking I don't want to be here anymore. I'm like, you must be able to help me. Like... And I said, but I probably now am depressed because I'm feeling that you're not helping me to get diagnosed. You're just trying to brush it under a carpet. And I think that's when they finally started listening. But I felt I was pushed to that. You know, the whole situation, I shouldn't have had to be pushed to that. No, it is a terrible shame. I think we have a problem with women and the medical profession and how we aren't treated particularly well and I think if it was our husbands going in with these problems it would be a very different story and I think that's something that is very sad that I must do a podcast episode about and I will add that to my list because it's ridiculous that you should have to have done that 
being so far away from the family and your friends and you get to the stage where you stop texting your friends because you're like oh I've got nothing to say I literally haven't done anything haven't left the house I'm meant to be in this beautiful you know capital city exploring what to go to theatre do all these things I remember once me and my husband did go out for a date night and he had to carry me to a taxi to get home because my leg just went and like it was a dark period in our lives so India was such a blessing and I didn't go on antidepressants or anything like that. It was wholly managed by me and my husband and acknowledged that this isn't where I want to be right now. I want to continue, but I just want the support because I didn't want him missing work to help me. And I knew there must be a way. So I started getting up actually really early and doing yoga with Adrienne on YouTube. And I was crying. I couldn't do any of it. I was on my forearms. I was making the adaptions to suit me, but I was doing something for me. I was trying to be proactive. And, you know, just little things like that were helping me and feeling more in control of the situation because so many things I wasn't in control of. I wasn't in control of the postings. I wasn't in control of the fact that my shower wasn't working, my oven had broken. All the basic things, then you pile on top of the fact you've got a newborn, you've got no support system. So, yeah, it was it was tough. And yoga, it sounds like yoga is incredibly important to you. And you've mentioned how it's medication and your diet and then the yoga that's kind of restarted you and how important that is. And that's what has started this lockdown business. So how life changing has yoga been for you? It's indescribable. I try not to be a preachy yoga teacher because I think people come to all different stages. And I also very key to say that I'm on medication for my arthritis which I take every day. I am a vegan now because yes, it's lovely for the animals, but also in dairy and red meat, it increases inflammation in your blood, which increases uh, the chance of more flares in my system. And I do yoga most days. So I don't want to say that it's just yoga that's changed my life because I think that would be disingenuous and I'm not a scientist or not done any studies. I'm using all those three things to manage my symptoms. But physically you know I can run I can walk I can do whatever occasionally I get flares maybe once a month and I've considered that a win and they're nowhere near as bad as they were I don't feel like I've broken bones I can still function but yoga for me has changed my mindset I'm more positive about things so currently our shower's also broken here last time I would have completely lost it gone how has the army put us in this situation why is our shower broken now I'm just like, oh, I get to have a longer bath, you know, whereas before the person that I was, I'd have been, woe is me, why is this happening? And just anger and aggression, just going round and round that I can't fix it and I feel out of control, whereas yoga has given me the thing to think about, well, what can I turn off? Does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? Will it get fixed eventually? Probably, if not, I still have hot running water. And I think just when you look about all the events that are happening in the world right now, you know, COVID, Afghanistan, everything, we're so lucky just to be here and now and the fact that I can move and I've got my loving family around me. So that's the way it's changed me. And that's why I try and instill to people. It's not just about how you move your body. It's about how it can change your mind to a more positive place without even realising that just happens over time. Yeah, I do yoga, not very often, not very well, but I purely do it to just stop. (laughs) It's something about, I think it's simple as taking a deep breath and just stopping looking at social media or emails or work or husbands or, you know, this life is full of noises and pings and everything. And just to go and do yoga for an hour and just to do some breathing and throw my hands around and pretend that I'm doing some sort of shape that vaguely resembles what it's meant to do. 
And the fact that it doesn't matter is really important to me. So self-care is really crucial when you're a business owner, but I have a big to-do list. And for me, self-care is always the thing at the bottom of the to-do list that gets knocked off because I've got a hundred other things to do. And yet it is so important and we all know it. Do you have any tips to ensure that self-care still happens no matter how busy we get? I think just speaking from personal experience, if I don't focus on my self-care, what I can give to other people and my business, I just feel that I'm letting myself down and everyone else. But if I take that time to do half an hour yoga for myself, even just go outside and I do a lot of barefoot walking, maybe not in London where you are, but just going out into my garden, walking barefoot, the connection with the earth has been proven to reduce stress because you're, you know, you're stepping outside. So trying to make small moments for yourself to really switch off and really appreciate. It doesn't have to be big, grandiose gesture, but just trying to get outside and breathe and be with nature or taking a long bath or having a cup of tea or coffee and just really savouring the moment and just taking five minutes to sit and breathe and close your eyes. There's so many things that social media tries to make out that it's really grand. It's actually the smallest things. And the thing that I find the most fascinating is I also do sound baths, which is basically playing instruments for an hour and people relax and you just lie there. And I started doing this just for myself and I booked a space because I thought I can't get all this, these things out with my daughter who's three because she'll just be trying to play them all. And I played them on an evening, but occasionally she, she's like, mommy, what's that sound? And I don't think she likes the sound. So I hired a space and I said to my husband, it's not too expensive. If no one comes, I'm happy that, you know, that's the time for me. And I advertised it and now they're sold out. And I was starting with one session and now I'm doing three sessions but I've realized that people just want to be able to come somewhere and do nothing and to switch off because people are so busy with their calendars, having appointment after appointment after appointment. They want someone to say it's okay, that they can just sit there. They can just be with themselves for an hour. And the change in people's personas when they come into when they leave, that's my biggest wow. That's what keeps me going because I know that what it's done for me, but seeing it transform in front of your eyes even for a few hours or however long those feelings last, that is, yeah, it's just incredible. <laughs> and is that the favourite part of your business? Yeah, seeing people when they first come in to a class or anything, just their whole demeanour and when they finish, they're like a shinier version of themselves. It sounds cliche, but people say they've come home to themselves, but they, they've really just, they've let themselves be and they're just, they've realised that, right now that to-do list doesn't matter or just being here right now and the connection you can make with people even without talking and just sharing that experience yeah that's probably the best part oh and I think we all need to be a shiny version of ourselves yeah. definitely especially if it involves lying down for an hour I would take that yeah and making the community that I've managed to create so I'm very much I've always been in the military community and be very proud of that but being able to create a community outside the military in a new posting I mean, that's like having an extended family and it's just, I'm shocked by the amount of friends I've made and the people's lives that I've touched just by stepping outside that invisible boundary that I've created for myself of, oh, do I really want to step across there because I don't know what people are going to think of me or I don't know if it's going to be a success. And had I done this last year, there was no way I'd have done it because I'd be so embarrassed and just quite shy and reserved to step outside of myself and to put myself out there. And people have, show me that that's okay and 
just be yourself. And that's what I try and tell people all the time. But doing it myself has been pretty scary, that whole transformation. It is scary, but it's so worth it. If you think this podcast started purely because I quite fancy doing a podcast series and now there's five series and 13, 14,000 downloads and it's bonkers. And the people I've met and the people I get to talk to purely because I took that little brave step. And it's never great when you start. It's always a bit dodgy. If you listen to the first episode, you can literally hear where I've sliced the audio, but it's brought me to where I am now. And I have so many friends and you've met so many people. And yeah, I would definitely say, try it. Life's too short. Give it a little go. Yeah, definitely. I think I would implore so many people to, if they've got a passion and they want to share it, do it. I had those 30 people that came to my class. A lot of them were saying, you should do this. If you're passionate about it, do it. And had they not said that to me, I probably would have started either. As much as in the back of my mind, oh, I really wish I wanted to, really wish I did it. The other military spouses and people that I met that told me, go and do it. I've got them to thank for it. Brilliant. So if we want to become our shiny selves, or if we're interested in checking out your website or finding you on the internet, where can we find you? I am on Instagram and Facebook, and I have my own website, which is www.dodayoga.co.uk. And it's not very spiritual. Doda Yoga is actually named after my husband and my daughter. So a lot of people say, what's Doda mean? And it's actually the first letters of my husband and my daughter's name. So that's where it comes from. <laughs> Perfect. And I will share all those links. So we're kind of at the end now, but it's been so lovely to talk to you. And thank you for sharing your story. It has been a personal one and I have pushed you a little bit, but I do really appreciate it. Before we finish, is there anything else you might like to add? Go out there and be your biggest, shiniest self because there's no one else that's you. <laughs> yes. Always worth the hard work because it is worth it in the end. Um, Naomi, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jess. Lovely to meet you and be on here today. Thank you. Thank you again to the lovely Naomi for talking to me. It always strikes me how amazing our community is and Naomi is no exception. I know how nervous she was to share her story, but I also know that it'll make such a difference to some of you listening. And if you're inspired by this episode or any of the previous episodes, make sure you tell your friends all about it. I know they all love to be inspired too. So that's it from me for today. I will be back next week with another episode of the Independent Spouse podcast. So I shall see you then.